This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. It's the height of the RRSP season, but your financial planning goes well beyond what you have in an investment portfolio. Have you considered life insurance plans? Certified financial planner Ryan Chin has some perspective to share. Ryan is a CFP at Sun Life Financial. Hey, good morning, Ryan. Nice to chat with you this morning. And to you, Dave. Good morning. Uh, Ryan, you and I have been having this conversation together for about a year now, give or take, and there have been a lot of points where you and I share the same interest and share a similar knowledge base, but this is one where you're catching me totally out of left field. I know almost nothing about life insurance, so I've got to start here. Why are life insurance plans an important piece of financial planning? Yeah, so Dave, really it's about risk management, Part of that also is life insurance is a tool as part of the overall financial plan. You know, we have an RSP, we have a tax-free savings account, and we have a life insurance policy. These are not these are not just things that we put in place because oh someone told us we need, but it's actually a viable part of your overall plan. Uh, for example, quickly. Um, you know, if someone were to be saving toward, you know, you've purchased a home and uh, you and your spouse and everything is working out well and one of them were to pass away, well, that life insurance really comes into play because it helps concrete the fact that now the surviving spouse is able to manage the lifestyle that you are both dreaming of. That lends itself into a question in regards to to who needs to consider this. And I'm going to put the word urgent in here, right? Because Ryan, in my case, I've got some assets, I've got some financial planning, but I also have no dependents, right? I don't have a spouse, I don't have dependents. So in my brain, the urgency isn't there, but who are the folks who should be urgently considering life insurance? So to your point, Dave, to your particular situation, I would challenge you to say, have you maxed out your TFSA? (laughs) No, no. And if you have, and if you have, because some folks who have, uh, who are in the similar situation, who have maxed out their TFSA, life insurance is an additional TFSA style product. Anyways, besides the point, to get to your actual question, <laughs> you know, is there urgency? Uh, you know, Dave, life insurance is based on need. It's not based on want. So there's typically not urgency. However, when we look at planning and we think about our future and we think about what are what are the things that we want to protect in life, that then underscores the value of life insurance. For example, if you said to me, Ryan, I want to make sure I leave, you know, a legacy gift to my favorite charity. Well, that is a permanent need. That's a need that you know, it's close to your heart and you want to protect that uh, by, you know, solidifying whatever that particular volume of coverage, you know, volume of of gift that you want to leave to that charity. So, so again, it's about need. Uh, It's about making sure that the plan fits 
for your particular situation and that you're not paying more than you need to just because someone thinks that, you know, you should. Mm. Ryan, I remember when I used to uh, work in your world, something that we used to offer on mortgages was a kind of life insurance. I know that can exist in other kinds of loans as well. So what are the different kinds of plans that exist? I know this is a big loaded question. Please feel free to take your time with it because I think this is one where we could find ourselves in the weeds pretty quickly. I, I do think so too, Dave. And and really, there there's a difference between mortgage protection or what they would call loan protection insurance versus life insurance. So again, two very separate products. Essentially, life insurance boils down to you know three main style products. There's term insurance. There's permanent or whole life insurance, and there is participating permanent. And in some people, some cases, some folks call that universal life insurance. Three very separate products, and each of them have uh, a specific need. For example, term insurance. It is, it is exactly as the name implies. It is a term product. That means it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Term insurance is something you purchase for a term need. Again, that mortgage. If you have a mortgage, well, we hope you're going to pay off that mortgage quickly. So the term should suffice for that particular need. Whereas whole life insurance or permanent insurance would be a product purchased for a permanent need. You have a small child you want to leave some money to. You have a legacy gift you know, maybe you want to leave a, a big bequest to your favorite charity or, or university or whatever. Whole life insurance is a permanent need. That's something near and dear to you. Then when we look at participating permanent or universal life products, those products also fit that permanent need. But the added value of those type of products is that estate protection. You know, if you have a a principal residence and then maybe you've purchased an income property and you want to make sure that that income property is passed on to your legacy, to your children, and you don't want them to have to go out of pocket to offset the capital gains. Now we're getting in the weeds, Dave. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, you know, participating permanent insurance covers that need. So, I mean, again, we, we, we would really, the first step, when thinking about any style product, uh, what we need to do is determine what is the need and what is the purpose of the product. Mm. You mentioned there's these different forms of plans. What are the rules about having multiple plans? Well, Dave, you know, uh, I would say any uh, life insurance uh, company would be happy to sell you multiple plans. (laughs) Uh, And that is the fact. Um, You know, there really isn't a limit on how many you can own. because at the end of the day, it does boil down to need. And if, if your need is such that you need to own a number of different plans to, to cover off different needs, then by all means, uh, it, it, it can work. For example, there may be a situation where you can own one of each type of plan, a term insurance, a permanent insurance, and a participating permanent insurance all under one profile because that fits the need of your current situation. Mm. Uh, Ryan, no need to go too, too deep on this front, but the application process, what's that like for an individual? 
Yeah. So this this is kind of a, an interesting one, I think. And and one thing we I want to sort of underscore right away is just because you would like to have life insurance doesn't mean you're always approved for life insurance. For example, um, when when we apply for life insurance, what we are doing is we're applying to transfer risk. So we want to take our risk and move it to someone else. And, you know, whether that risk is $100,000, a million dollars, $10 million, well, the person who's taking on that risk needs to ensure that they're betting on a safe gamble here. They don't want to pay out the risk. They will do they will do so because of the nature of the contract, but if they don't have to, they'd prefer just to take your money. Oof. Now, through that application process, um, when you apply, all policies go through, oh, sorry, all applications go through something called a 90-day interim process. And through those 90 days, the insurer will have the opportunity to ask you medical questions, maybe send uh, send a nurse over to do a paramedical evaluation, what they call a vitals check, you know, uh, check out uh, the, the blood, the urine, and, and, and check out your, your, your heart and height and weight and all those things. And then further to that, they may also need to send a letter to your doctor to say, hey, I, I want to know a little bit more information about this particular situation in this person's health history. So through those 90 days, all of that evaluation happens. The, um, the uh, uh, underwriter of the life insurance policy will evaluate everything, and then they will measure you up against a million people in your particular demographic and either approve or decline the policy mm. based on that, you know, evaluation. One more thing I'll add in there, Dave, uh, is a rating. And in some cases where, you know, if your risk is greater than the average person in your particular demographic, the risk is greater. For example, if you're a smoker, versus a non-smoker, well, you have a higher risk. So they would apply a risk rating mm. to your policy. Mm. So it, it could affect your premium. Okay, Ryan, you've set the table beautifully here. You've laid out the facts. You've laid the foundation. Let's have the rubber hit the road for four or five minutes here because there are some social media influencers who talk about using life insurance as, quote, infinite banking, basically a way to use a plan to build wealth while you're still alive. Ryan, I know there's some machinations that you probably have to explain here as you share your take on the practice. Yeah, Dave, uh, it's, it is an incredible way to build wealth. And I will start my conversation simply by saying, this is truly how the rich get richer. Now, it is absolutely a golden opportunity to use participating or universal life policies for this particular circumstance. But the misnomer in those social media ads is they say, well, you can buy one of these plans. You can uh, then in no time take out the money and still grow wealth. Well, the, the fine print on this is it truly starts with the volume of coverage 
and the volume of premium. For example, for one of these true infinite banking plans to truly work, it takes about 10 years to build the appropriate equity in the cash value of the plan. And to that end, the volume of, of uh, your premium would have to be north of $15,000 a year. Oh my gosh. To, to really start to build any kind of equity on a 10 year plan. And I, and, and realistically, uh, 15,000 is not a lot. Um, when you start to get into plans that are 25 and $50,000 plans, annual premium plans, now we're talking about true infinite banking. So don't get dazzled by the headline you got to get into the weeds on this kind of stuff. It's like buying a house. And and you you're if you're willing to commit to that really and I'll say stringent uh uh payment plan by all means in the future it will pay off. Ooh. There is no question. They work. It you just got to do it right. <laughs> yeah, it might just take uh, 10 years of building $250,000 worth of equity before you can borrow against the equity. <laughs> Exactly. This is not something that, hey, I'm going to put 50 bucks a month in and then in five years, I'll be able to pull out enough money to buy a house. No. And that's what many people think is they can just start one of these things and in two, three years, start pulling out money to buy a house. And I deal with that call at least once a week. <laughs> hey, I've got a $1 million life insurance plan and I've had it for three weeks. Can I borrow a million dollars? No, yeah. sir, you cannot. Yeah. You can't borrow on the face value if there is no collateral. Yes, oh, absolutely. Oh, the ultimate lesson in economics right there. Ryan Bradley Chin <laughs> dropping some truth on you. Hey, Ryan, thank you for this. I love these segments. Love chatting with you. Have a great day at work. And to you. Thanks. Take care and have a great day. That's Ryan Bradley Chin, certified financial planner with Sun Life Financial. You see, I like that. Ryan, uh, countering, countering some social media trends Two days in a row, been able to use expertise against chatter that exists in social media. Coming up in 60 seconds, Alex Smythe will have the weather story of the day. But first, here is Canadian press reporter Karen Rebo with your morning business minute. North American stock markets saw broad-based gains yesterday. Toronto's TSX index rising 85 points to close at 20,957. New York's Dow Jones average gained 141 points and the Nasdaq crept 11 points higher. In Tokyo this morning, the Nikkei index lost 40 points and our dollar is trading overseas this morning at 74.20 cents U.S. Athabasca Oil and Synovus Energy have closed a deal that creates Duvernay Energy Corporation consolidating the two companies' assets in the K-Bob DuVernay resource play in northwest Alberta. And Coca-Cola wants in on the spicy trend in North America. Today, the Atlanta-based beverage giant introduced Coca-Cola Spiced and Coca-Cola Spiced Zero Sugar. It'll go on sale in the U.S. and Canada on February 19th. It doesn't have a lot of heat. The main flavor drinkers will notice, though, is a hint of raspberry. From the Canadian Press Business Desk, I'm Karen Ribot. A hint of raspberry. Uh, I would try that. I would give that a crack. Let's bring in Alex Smythe for the weather reports. I mean, Alex, I like cherry Coke, so why wouldn't I like raspberry Coke? 
Yeah, I, I'm just. Why don't you call it Raspberry Coke instead of Coke Spice? <laughs> Coke I, Spice I, yeah. I don't know. It doesn't seem like there's much spice in it. But hey, maybe <laughs> we can dive into this a bit more in a roundtable, Dave, uh, when it when it gets released, and maybe we can get our hands on a couple taste of tests and see how yeah, it really tastes. Taste test. Now we're talking. Yeah. But before any of that happens, let's focus in on the weather. That's why I'm here. You know, we've talked already in this week about the storms uh, that have been affecting Atlantic Canada. We talked last week about the impacts of uh, storm-like conditions on Western Canada. Let's focus in on the central region because parts of Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and Northwestern Ontario are going to get uh, walloped in a sense uh, with snow this week. Now, uh, the region as a whole has not seen a lot of activity when it comes to snowfall so far this year. This upcoming storm is going to be by far the largest. Uh, they're predicting upwards of 20 centimeters of snow can and will impact the region. And this is all due to a Colorado low system that's been fueled by the atmospheric river that California has been experiencing. So all that mm torrential rain and downpour and, and uh, intense weather in California is fueling this low pressure system that's going to be pushing its way north. It's going to come into the region late Wednesday night into Thursday, so parts of Saskatchewan may be some of the earliest spots to, to feel those conditions. We'll get some snow and colder weather there, then it's going to move into Manitoba, and then by Friday, it will be moving into northwestern Ontario. And so this is going to be something that you're going to keep your eye on. Again, not a, a huge system by any means, 20 centimeters. It's not nothing. But with this region overall, they have not seen a lot of mm. precipitation this year and no precipitation yet in February. So this is by far the largest system of the season for the region. Yeah, 20 centimeters might not stack up to the 150 centimeters that Cape Breton got, but 20 centimeters will mess up your day. Like 20 centimeters yeah. is right around the number where that's going to mess up your day. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're going to have to think about, okay, do you make alternative arrangements getting to or from work or school? You know, you're going to be out there multiple times shoveling and digging out the, the snowfall. It is going to yeah. impact the region. <laughs> Just the region is typically used to more by this yeah. time of year. Yeah, you got to wear boots instead of shoes. You know, there's yeah. all there's all kinds. You got to wear the long socks instead of the short socks. All kinds of stuff going on in that case. Alex, thank you for this. Talk to you a little bit later. Sounds good, Dave. That's Alex Smythe at the Weather Desk. Coming up after the break, there's a new exhibit at the Dalhousie Art Gallery. Community reporter Melina Kazanavishis tells you all about As We Rise photography from the Black Atlantic. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI-tv. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.